Right from the top of the page, the last two words on Mvavamid base were Zakad and Siyosa. Mishnah said that a father's rights, his entitlements are that until a girl is 12 and a half years old, that means until she finishes her time of Na'ara and Ketana, she's a Ketana until 12 and Na'ara until 12 and a half. Until that time, the father has complete dominion over her. He's entitled not only to marry her off to whomever he pleases, it's his choice, as Biti Nasati Lishazeh we learned yesterday in the parsha of, <clears throat> of um, uh, Motsi Shemra, it says Biti Nasati Lishazeh. So <clears throat> he's entitled to marry her off, and he's also entitled to anything that she finds. So why is he entitled to anything that she finds? She finds something in the street, or she comes across something, it's his. Says the Gemara at the top of the page, Ramzai Mishum Eva, because of ill will. In other words, since he's not required to feed her, we learn after six years old, a man is, his man is responsible to feed his small children because they have no options. And it's part of the midst of stuck also until the age of six. From the age of six on, uh, once they're six years old, they're really on their own. However, the rabbi said that a person should be the, do the right thing and feed his children. However, if she's going to keep her own her own find, her own uh, lost and found, anything that she finds, he might say, listen, you, you get to keep your stuff, I'll keep my stuff, and he might, not, he might not feed her. So the rabbi said, in return for him feeding her, she should give him anything that she finds. Not only anything she finds, but the mission went on by saying, yeah, her paycheck, anything that she works. She works, she makes money, in, as uh, whether she's an employee or whether she's self-employed, her money goes to, anything that she earns goes to him. And uh, how do we know that? We've had this several times already. How do we know that the father gets her paycheck? If a man sells his daughter for a maidservant, in other words, Alma is really extra. He sells his daughter. He's entitled to sell his daughter until the age of 12. She goes out either after six years or at the age of 12. She goes out when she's bought mitzvah and she's a adult, she goes out automatically. It says, He sells his daughter. Obviously, selling his daughter is a maidservant. What is he selling her for? So, uh, why does he say, to teach me that his daughter is like a maidservant? Just like a maidservant, obviously, anything she does is for her, is for her master. Her master owns her effectively. So, the daughter also, whatever she earns, goes to her father. Again, when can you sell your daughter? Only up until the age of 12. And she goes out at the age of 12. She's only available to be a maidservant until the age of 12. So maybe again, maybe that's only when can the father get her paycheck? You're learning it out from Umma, from a maidservant, right? Just like a maidservant, all her money that she earns goes to her master. The same way, a daughter, if she's not a maidservant, she belongs to her father, then her father gets it. But could she only be a maidservant until the age of 12, until she turns 12? So maybe also, maybe Hanimilikitana, the Matsumizavala. That's by a young girl, that the father could sell, so he gets her paycheck. But Abonara, the Lomotsim is but he can't sell an hour. Once she's 12, he can't sell her anymore. Maybe that's hers. In other words, we're talking about until the age of 12 and a half. That's the whole discussion over here. Maybe the father's entitled to her paycheck up until the age of 12, but not from 12 to 12 and a half. That's our whole thing. We discussed that dichotomy yesterday, that she's really a dola from the age of 12. She's bat mitzvah. But still, the father has dominion over her until the age of 12 and a half. He breaks in the dorm, et cetera, entitled to anything that she, uh, to her findings and to her paycheck. So, you can't sell her. You're only learning out from Amma. Amma, you can only sell till 12. So, maybe here also, maybe you can only get her paycheck until 12. 
probably still the paycheck still goes to her father from the age of 12 to half. Why? If it's not hers. So what are you saying? That if you say that the Maisia is not her father's rather, but rather belongs to her, again, you say the father, that, that the father is not entitled to her paycheck. That means when she works from 12 on, that's her money. She has her own bank account. He can't touch it. If that's the case, now then we say the father can decide today's your wedding day. I'm marrying you off to this Schmendrick over here, right? To this guy. Well, how can he take her away from the uh, from her job? If her money is hers, you can't take it. I'm, I'm working. I'm working today. You can't take me. We have a little problem over here. The father's entitled to say, you're going to the wedding today. She says, yeah, but I, I have a job. I can't take off. It's my money. You're taking away my money. You have no rights to take away my paycheck. I'm working today. So that, that Hashem entitled him as we say this, how can he take her away and say, you're getting married today? That day, she won't be able to work. It's, it's her, she's, if she's entitled to her paycheck, she's entitled to work for herself. That's her. She's, she's a gdola and she's entitled. How can the father marry her off that day? Well, very simple. You're just talking about that day, right? The next day she can go back to work, right? But how can he take her and put her into the chuppah and get married? Okay, so I'll tell you what, I'll pay you for the day's work. I'll, I'll, I'll cover it for today. Maybe that's some shot. That he, he's entitled to marry off and say, today you're getting married. Oh, you're missing your paycheck? I'll pay you for today. Inami the Muslim Malayla, or we're having the wedding at night. They don't work at night. Right, People she who, marries the paycheck goes to the husband. After she marries her, the payment check would go to the husband anyway. Correct. Correct. But that's but then the father's not involved anymore. I'm saying until it's just it's very the father's entitled to marry her off. If her paycheck is hers, how can he take her away from work? Well, the answer is very simple. He'll say, I'll cover the I'll cover that day's paycheck. How much was it, right? Inami the married off at night. Inami the married on Shabbos and Yantuk when people aren't working anyway. Tosis asked, how can you get married on Shabbos and Yontif? Ain Marvin Simcha Basimcha. We had a Gemara in Tainas and Moi Cotton, rather. Moi Cotton, I think it was. Yeah, Tosis says, Moi Cotton. Samachta Bechagecha, well, Bishtech, you're not supposed to get married. So Tosis says a few answers. Tosis says, well, when it's going to be that, there's a Chiyav of Tosis Shabbos, Tosis Yontif, the rice of it. It's not, pardon? They're fighting about it, huh? Okay, but, you know, it could be a what? You know, it could be that, you know, they had this discussion. They work at a, pardon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so the Kenyan is really from the time of Kedushan. This is the Chuppah, right? That's one thing. But Tosas is dealing with there. That's when he makes the Kenyan. The, the, the Tosas says there's Tosas Shabbos, Tosiyanta, which is a Derisa. So, you're not supposed to work them, but it's not really the same as Shabbos. It's not the same as Shabbos in the sense that, uh, you know, you, you, could, you could do things during that period. Uh, uh, so it says the you don't do work anyway that time, and it's not really yanted. It's possible they didn't have a suda there. All kinds of the you know, grapples with the answer. But the idea over here is that that's not really a problem. That one day that she's getting married, how can you take her off from work? You can work that out during a time when she's not working or pay her off for the day. So so we're back to our question. Our question is, how do you know? What was our question? We said, um, how do you know that the father's entitled to her paycheck, right? 
So he said, just like the, just like a, a master is entitled to his servants, his maid servants' paycheck, the father's entitled to the paycheck. Fine, but that's until she's 12, when she could be a maid servant for somebody. What about from 12 to 12 and a half? So the Gemara says, well, it must be that way because otherwise, how can he take her off from her job to get married that day? Okay, those are, those are, are answerable. He could take her off because it's not yet yunted or it's at night or he pays her for the day. So we're back to our question. Maybe he's only entitled to the paycheck during the time that she's a kana, but not Nara. I you say if, 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 she's, in, if um, she's entitled to her paycheck, to her own paycheck during Nara, how can he marry her? They, they take care of that day. So we're back to our issue. Maybe, maybe the father's only entitled to her paycheck until the age of 12, not from 12 to 12 and a half. So the more says that you don't need a pasuk for that, that she entitled paycheck. If a father can sell her, he can sell her. That means, you know, what is he selling her for? A thousand dollars. That's what she'll earn. You know, that's what she's worth to her master. Masters, I need, I need a higher, I need somebody. Uh, you know, servants are cheaper. I'll pay a thousand dollars. That's what she's worth. That's what her what her work is worth, a thousand dollars. So if he can sell her and get the money that way, certainly he's entitled to her paycheck when she's a katana. She's entitled, I, you know, <laughs> a girl comes home eight, eight years old. She worked in a sewing factory. Of course, she's the father's entitled to the paycheck. He says, don't give me the paycheck. I can sell you and get all the, I can sell you until you're 12. So there you don't need a pussy for that. If you can sell her, certainly he's entitled to her paycheck for a katana. So when the Pusik tells us, even though that's speaking about literally when she's a Tana, but what do you need the word Lama there for? That's to teach me, that word is extra to teach me that a Bito is like Amma. Just like Amma, the, the paycheck goes to the master, the same thing with the daughter. And we don't need to tell me in the case of Tana because that's obvious. So it's teaching me in the case of Nara. The father, the father also breaks her in the dorm when she up until the age of 12. And under Sivit says, That's where we had that Pusik several times. That's the Pusik and Matos that talks about a Pusik in the dorm. That as long as she's a Nara, she's in her father's house and he can break her in the dorm. A couple of Gita, if she didn't get fully married, if she only had betrothal, Arison, Kedushin, and she gets divorced, he, he, he receives the divorce. Under Sivit says, Compares leaving a marriage to getting married, Haisa. It's the Shusil just like the father marries her off and he's entitled to marry her off with Kesef, uh, Shtar, or Bia and decide who she's marrying and keep the money, etc. The same thing when it comes to getting the same thing, unless she's fully married. Like Rashi said yesterday on, on, on the Mishnah, that in the Skarshim and Erison, uh, right, before she, if she got divorced from Erison, before she was a Bagaris, Abobagra Onisis, if she either turned 12 and a half or she got married, then the father no longer shuv ain rishusba. The father has no rishus over her at that point. Says the Gemara, the ain ochel The Mishnah said he's not entitled to eat Paris, Paris, the Paris of her property. Now, what are we speaking about? Remember, if let's say she received an inheritance while they were married, it wasn't written into the ksuba. We'll see the ksuba. We normally think it was the obligation of a man to his wife. He's going to give her two hundred dollars or hundred dollars in the case of Bula. Or he's going to add on a million dollars if he's very generous. It's sort of like a prenup in a way, because he's determining in advance what he's going to give her when, when he dies or gets divorced. On the other hand, she also writes things into the Ksuba. Her father writes a dowry and says, I'm putting this and this in there, as we'll see later on. And he says, if there's male children, I don't want it to go to the, if the, if the wife dies and the husband then inherits her. He doesn't want that money to go to his children from another wife. So that's accepted. That's all part of index of But there's basic other things written in the He puts things into the dowry. It says, okay, she's bringing in so-and-so, this, these assets, et cetera, into the marriage. 
That's what's called Nechsei Tzambaz, or the written in the Ksuba. Nechsei Maluga is something she inherited later on, or it wasn't written into the Ksuba. So she has some property, whatever she inherited, but wasn't written in the Ksuba. So it says the father is not entitled to those peros. Meaning, a guy's got an eight-year-old daughter, and let's say his wife, simple case, his wife died. He's got an eight-year-old daughter he's taking care of. All of a sudden, she got a Yerusha from a great uncle. She's got this big property now. The father's not entitled to eat the Paris. He has to put it in trust for her, take care of it. You know, he's maybe an apotropus or sign an apotropus, sign a, a sign a guardian. He's got to take care of it. He's not entitled. Of course, if she dies and she has no other orshim, he's the Orish, then he inherits her. But up until the age of she's twelve and a half. He says he is entitled to the payers. The rabbi said he's entitled to the payers. It's not entitled to the property. The property belongs to her. Let's say she gets married later on. She might put that into the marriage. When she, after she's 12 and a half, she could put that into the ksuba. But the father is not entitled to it. And he's certainly, in, and there's machlokas here whether he's entitled to Paris or not. Our mission says that he's not entitled to Paris. Yes, says he is entitled to Paris. You don't have ocho Paris Bito. Mike, what's machlokas? Tanakamba Sabra, Bishlam, the husband's entitled to the Paris. Remember, the husband's entitled to the Paris. He's not responsible if we can eat the Paris. If he doesn't get the Paris, he won't, he won't redeem her if she gets captured. The guy who would capture people in those days was very common kidnapping. So he said, the rabbi said, listen, you can eat the Paris in return for that. You're responsible to redeem her if she gets into captivity. The guy might say she's in captivity. What do I care? I'll get married to somebody else, right? You can marry multiple people then. No, you have to redeem her. So I understand why the husband does. The husband gets the Paris in return for redeeming her. Elav, the father's going to redeem her anyway. Elav, Michael, Amemah, the Nimrod, Parak, Elav, Achipark, it's his daughter. Guy's, guy's daughter's kidnapped. He's not going to redeem. He's not going to do everything else. He's his daughter. The wife, Mela, you know, he'll find another wife, but it's his daughter. That's the Tanakama who says that, therefore, the father, the husband, I understand. The husband said, so we, we give him the Paris in return for that. He's responsible to redeem her. But a father's going to redeem his daughter anyway, so we don't have to give him the Paris. She's got a trust. She has property, right, that she inherits on her own from her mother or side of the family, whatever. Let her go redeem herself. Why should I do it? So the, therefore, therefore, Yosef Yudah says, therefore, we give him the payers. We let the father eat the payers too, so that he will redeem her. Because if he wouldn't eat the payers, he might say, listen, I'm not entitled to the payers. She has a Yerush over here. She's got land. And the pro and it's all held in trust, and the fruits and stuff is put into a savings account. They sell it and all that. And I'm not entitled to touch it. Doesn't mean literally just the fruits. You could sell the fruits and get the money, right? He's not entitled to any. If if he's not entitled to that, he'll say, "Listen, she has plenty of money. What do you want from me? If she doesn't have enough money, not my problem. I'm not contributing." So it's a question of how you look at it. But our mission says that the father doesn't eat the pears because he will redeem her anyway. And this is Yisrael about. Let's say once she gets married, then we said, but like you said before, Kurt, once she gets married. The father, the husband has full rishus over. He's entitled to his The father, the father-in-law, the man's father-in-law, the, 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 the father of the wife wrote in the ksuba. Again, the ksuba is a, it's, it's, a, it's not just a marriage contract from the husband to the, to the wife. It's also the wife's obligations. Kosovla, he wrote your pay risk. Listen, I'm marrying off my daughter. Here's the dowry. I'm giving you the fruits of this land. Uh, giving you uh, garments, uh, material, Kalim, vessels, all kinds of stuff. 
and they got engaged, the baseball. I'm giving you all these things. He wrote the Ksuba in the Ksuba while they were engaged at the time of the engagement. Normally, we said that it's only written at the time of the Suba, but he wrote this already time Ksuba. Mesa and she died. She died before the marriage was consummated, before the Chuppah. The husband doesn't get this stuff because the father only wrote those things under the condition that they're going to get married. They're going to get married. He wrote it already at the time of the Eris, and they wrote all this stuff like Tanaim. You know, they're like, they write Tanaim, some, some families write Tanaim. So he wrote this all into the Ksuba. So we have Machlokas over here. Well, what happens if she died before they actually got married? Just after betrothal, she died. Is the husband entitled to that? Tanakam says, no, he doesn't get it. Normally, a husband inherits his wife. It's Machlokas, whether it's the Rice or Drabanan, but Balya or Shasishto. If a man and woman are married and she dies, who inherits her? The husband, not her family. There's no husband, then her family. But otherwise, the husband gets it. Mishum of the name of Nasan, they said no. The father, the husband gets it even if they weren't yet fully married after Averson. What's Machlokas? Maybe it's the same as the Machlokas of Rablaz Benazai and Rabbanan. And we, this is one of the cases we pass on to Rablaz Benazai. The Ksuba that was written before. And we said, normally Ksuba is written at the time of Nasuin. But even either the Minig was some places that they wrote from the time of Averson, or if he did it at the time of Averson on his own. And then she was widowed or divorced, whether it was from the Suan or Arison, you're entitled to come say she's entitled to the whole ksuba. The Blazmanzai says, no, no, no. If she was fully married, then she gets the whole ksuba. That was the condition. That's the marriage contract. It's like a prenuptial. If you die, the husband dies or divorced her, she gets the whole ksuba. Mina Arison, if she was only if if he was she was widowed or divorced after betrothal. Then Psul go Masaimbomanamana, like the old rule, base the you get the basics. The Psul gets 200 and Almana gets 100. Why? Because the why he gave her the whole ksuba, the amount over the 100 or the 200, that was under the condition that he's going to marry her. He never really married her, only had betrothal. So, let's go back to Here we're talking about what does she get if she's widowed or divorced, right? Now we want to say that's the same thing as the machlokas between Tanakam Rav Nasan. If she dies after betrothal, does he inherit her? Where that's what we're assuming now. Lamandam Zacha, the one who says what? That the husband does not, like the Tanakama, the husband does not get the uh, uh, does not get the, the stuff that's written into the Ksuba that the father wrote into the Ksuba if she dies after betrothal before marriage, goes like of Azaria. In other words, that if the marriage is dissolved for whatever reason after Arison, widowed or divorced, or she dies, Blaz says, no, you're on top to the basics. He gives her the 100, 200. And all the extra stuff that they wrote in there doesn't apply. Who says that she only gets 100 or 200 after Arison. If she if if uh, he, she's widowed or divorced after Arison. In other words, just like Rebozo says that if she's widowed or divorced, she only gets 100 or 200. You don't get the whole thing. You don't get the whole stuff. But the same way, if she dies, the stuff that her father wrote into the Ksuba, the husband doesn't get. Rav Nassim says, no, that the husband does get the stuff, everything that was written into the Ksuba, if she dies after betrothal. Goes like the Rabbanan, that Rabbanan say that what that you get the man Omanda Omer Zachal is like Rabbanan that makes a difference. Like Rabbanan say if she if if she's widowed or divorced from Aris and Ornus when you get the whole thing. The same thing over here too. Once the Ksuba is written, even if she dies after betrothal, the husband gets the whole thing. Everybody holds like Rabbazaya that if she's widowed or divorced, if the husband dies after after betrothal, she only gets the 100 or the 200. She doesn't get the extra amount. 
right? The one who says, yeah, like in the case where she dies, the husband doesn't get, she dies after the trial, the husband doesn't inherit her. Listen, until their marriage, the full terms of the Ksuba don't apply. You just get the basic 100 or 200 if he dies or divorces her, that if she dies, he gets nothing. The one who says that if she dies, he, he does inherit her even after betrothal. That's only talking about what he has to give her. He has to give her, he only wrote the Ksuba under the condition that they're going to get married. If he died after betrothal or he divorced her, she only gets the one or two. And she'll cost her the cone. So he only gave her all that extra stuff in the condition that he's going to marry her. But what she's giving him, and that's what her father, what the father in law is giving uh, assets, uh, property, food, etc. That's because of agreeing to the marriage. In other words, as soon as, because they made the shidduch, the father's willing to give everything over right away, even before they get married. The husband's only willing to give the extra stuff they wrote in the the condition that he's going to consummate, that he's going to have a wife. But the father, the, the women, it was much harder for women in those days. They were happy to make the shidduch. So you say that as long as they did the shidduch, you made the betrothal, the father-in-law was willing to already depart with all those assets in return for the betrothal itself. And therefore, if she dies at that point, the husband inherits her. Of course, as we'll see, the, the husband's smart should write what we'll see later on in the Masech. It's called Absolus bin Indichrin, that, that the husband, father-in-law, father said, Pamela says, I'm going to give you a million dollars, you're going to marry my daughter. However, if my daughter, if his daughter dies, and the husband's going to inherit her, he doesn't want the husband to take the million dollars and then spend it on his other children from his next wife. So that part goes to his grandchildren. No, that's part of Susan and Jochen. But the basic summa goes even after betrothal. That's what you could say over here. You could say it either way. You could say the Machlokas of Nasan says she, the husband inherits her. Tanakama says the husband doesn't inherit her in that case. So it could be La'alacha, even though he possibly was Messiah. That if she's widowed or divorced after betrothal, she only gets the 100 or the 200. But what about if she dies after betrothal? Not necessarily that we hold that that the uh, that the husband inherits her, right? Rabbi Nassim says yes. Tanakama says no. Well, it doesn't seem right. Yeah, yeah it doesn't seem right. Today's yeah. standards, by today's standards, sure, it doesn't I'll seem right. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Chayiv So he has to feed her. Tanarabanan. In other words, Chayiv Nurasa. Who's Chayiv to feed his wife? We were talking about the husband, right? Yes, the husband surpassed her. He ate her payrus, and he has to feed her. Now, why does he have to feed her? Is that does the Torah say it's the Peter? Well, we'll see. It's, uh, some say it's a Daraisa. The Torah, the first sheet in the Raisa here is in return for her paycheck. Man's married to his wife in return to his paycheck. Okay, I'll take your paycheck and I'll feed you. We'll see later on if a woman says, listen, I'm making more than you. <laughs> that happens now, right? Women make more than the, than the husbands many times. You keep your food, I'll keep my paycheck. Separate accounts, right? You, she can do that. Because the only reason he has to feed her, according to this, is it, it's a takana. We'll see it's a shalos of the rice or drabana. According to this, it's a drabana. He has to feed her in return for taking her paycheck. Okay, he gets her paycheck, he has to feed her. And because of the ksuba that she brings things into the marriage to the dowry, right? So he has to also, he has to agree to bury her, to pay for the burial costs, etc., the whalers and all that. The Therefore, he's entitled to eat the payers of her nesemulug. Says the Gemara, Paris, Manikash. Who mentioned anything about Paris? You're talking about paycheck for food, and you're talking about burial obligation in return for the, her dowry. But who mentioned anything about eating Paris? Paris, Manikash. is missing. There's three things over here. 
In return for a paycheck, he has to feed her. And he has to redeem her if she's taken into captivity in return for the Paris. Remember we said before that the fa- that we had a Shiloh. Does the father eat the Paris or not? Remember the first sheet, like our mission was, father doesn't eat the Paris, he'll redeem her anyway. The husband eats the Paris in return for that. He has to, he agrees that he's going to redeem her. So and he has to bury her in return for the dowry. So that's what the Rabbana made these Therefore, the husband eats the pears. The Gemara says, what are you talking about? He just said, in return for him eating the pears, he has to agree, he has to sign on that he will redeem her if she's taken into captivity. They put that all into the Ksuba. What do you mean, Lefiche? You already mentioned that. You said, what do you mean, Lefiche, the Baal Chapeiros? Now the same in and I might think, listen, he's entitled to the pears in return for his entitlement of the pears, he has to redeem her if she's taken into captivity. But maybe we should say, listen, he's entitled to the pears, start saving them up, start a savings account. All the payers sell them, take the money and put it into a, a what we call a, a redemption savings account. But in case she's taken into captivity, they have a trust fund, a fund for redeeming. You know, you have a stock of fund, you have this fund, you have a fund, people taken into captivity. It was very common for the Jews to be kidnapped, so they would have to raise money. They had a redemption fund, right? What we call in Hebrew, pidyon shvuyim, right? They had a redemption fund. So I might think, when he's entitled to the payers, he shouldn't eat the payers. He should save them up. Savings for the man. He should leave them aside, meaning save them up. Because if he eats them, if he's entitled to eat the payers now, yeah, when it comes to redeeming yourself, I don't have any money now. Oh, I was getting the payers. I ate those up already. I consumed those. It's better let him eat the payers now. Because maybe the payers won't be enough. Maybe they'll demand $30,000 to redeem this woman from captivity. And the payers that he ate is worth 5,000. Now he had say, if you're saying it's a redemption fund, he'll save up all the payers. He's got five or 10,000 in there. And they're asking for 30,000. So he says, I don't have the money to redeem her. This is what he said, no, no, no. You can eat the payers, eat whatever you want. You can eat the payers. But you have to agree to redeem her for whatever the redemption is. By that point, they won't keep a record of how much he ate, et cetera. How do you know that it's the, uh, we're talking the food for a paycheck and the um, and the payrolls for her redemption. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the mazonas that he has to feed her is because of the payrolls that he eats of her stuff, and he has to redeem her in return for her paycheck. And what's the Rash says, what's enough nafkamina? Because if she says ain't mazonas for any osa, low klum karma. In other words, we said before, he has to feed her in return for her paycheck. Let's say she says. I don't want your food. I'll keep my own paycheck. She can do that. But if the paycheck is not for the food, but if the paycheck is what? For redeeming her. So she says, listen, if she says, listen, I don't want your food and I don't want to work for you. No, no, it doesn't work that way. The the the, the Mizonos, the food is for the payros and the work is for the Pircona. I have to, I have to redeem you. You can't say, uh, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, take your food. And I don't. I want to keep my paycheck. The paycheck is for redemption. The paycheck is not in lieu of the of the um, uh, of the uh, of the. It's a, the, the paycheck is not in lieu of redeeming her. The paycheck is in lieu of feeding her. So uh, so maybe that wouldn't be enough. Kamina. Maybe why do you say that the paycheck is in lieu of feeding her? Is in exchange. I shouldn't say lieu. In exchange for feeding her. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the food is an exchange of the payers that he eats, and the and the paycheck is is an exchange for redeeming her. 
What's common is common. It's common for a paycheck. She works a little bit, right? She has, she has to work. And uh, also, if she has, she has to work, um, and it's also common, she needs food, right? Food is common. Paycheck is common. Redeeming her and her having payrolls, not every woman has necessarily malug, and not every has property that, that, that has natural growth and, and, and that, that has assets that uh, with profits from the fruits. Not everybody has that. But everybody has a paycheck and everybody has needs food. So they were talking food for food. What's common for common, the paycheck in exchange for the food that he gives her and the uh, the uh, fruits he gets to keep, her fruits he gets to eat in, in exchange for the obligation that he has to redeem her. So we've just said that the Mazonas is Rabbanon. But the Rabbanon were Matakin. You have to feed her. In exchange for that, you can keep her paycheck. But the following town holds that Mazonas is the rice of the Tanya Sheirux who sub on a Saligra and talks about if you sell an Oma and then you marry you can, the, uh, the husband, the, the, the Adon or his son can marry her. So if he marries her and he has other wives, says Sheirux who sub on a solo Yigra, right? Says that in, um, in, in Mishpatim. So where's Sheirux? Ava Mazonas. That means food. Shera means food, and it says you shouldn't diminish your food. So the Torah is obligating you to feed your wife. They ate the Sha'ar Ami, meaning the food of my nation. They ate the food of my nation. You have to give her clothing. You have to clothe your wife. This refers to conjugal duty. You have to, you have to have deal with your wife. You have to, uh, uh, you have to live as husband and wife. If you afflict my daughters, remember by by, by uh, Yaakov Lama says, if you afflict my daughters, I'm going to afflict them by withholding conjugal duty. The blood of Omer, She'er is the other way around. She'er is She'er means, She'er really means She'er Basar. It means like flesh or uh, relatives, uh, kin. It's like your flesh and blood. So She'er is that refers to conjugal duty. Every man to his kin, to his close relatives, should lo sigur You shouldn't. You shouldn't commit incest. You shouldn't have incest with family members. So to your kin, to your flesh, you shouldn't have bia. Susa, again, everybody agrees, that means clothing. So he learns the other way around. That share is the ona, and ona is, share is ona, what we call ona, conjugal duty. And onasa means food. You just claimed it, Michael, right? Right, in Eka, in he afflicted you by starving you. So it refers to food. Sheer again means flesh or the body. And he says, flesh according to the according to the flesh, according to the body, that should be the clothing. Meaning, according to the age of the woman, of your wife, that Lefum Sheer, according to her age, according to her kind of flesh, she's old or young, tank susa, give her clothing. A young woman can carry big fancy petticoats and clothing, etc., and she can carry them, she can carry them. So you shouldn't give a young girl the, the simple clothing of an old woman who can't, uh, you can't, uh, you know, they used to wear these women who wore very heavy clothing in those days, right? So the uh, a young girl, you shouldn't give a simple garment that you give to an old woman, and you shouldn't give a simple uh, simple clothing of an old woman to a young girl. You shouldn't give a young girl, uh, you shouldn't give the heavy, the heavy clothing of a young girl to an older woman, but those shall You shouldn't give the simple clothing of an old woman to a young woman. Susa onasa. That means to tell you also here, like the owner of the time. What is owner? Owner is like the season, like the timing, the season. The clothing should be according to the season. Susa onasa lepumarosa according to the season. Thanks, you should give the clothing. Shalitin chadashim nasa chama v'lo shachak nasa gshamim. 
in the winter months, they needed heavy clothing, new clothing, then worn out clothing, the thinner clothing would be in the summer. So you shouldn't give in the summer new heavy clothing and in the winter worn out clothing, but it should be the other way around. Tanab Yosef, She'era Zu Kira Basar. She'era means that it means the contact of uh, bodily contact. She'era means literally bodily contact. What does that mean? That She'era, which refers, we said before, refers to not Mizonos, but according to the other opinion that She'era means her, her conjugal duty. It, what does it mean? It really means um, a con, a, a, a contact of the flesh, bodily contact. Shalom Yinigba, Minik Parsim, you shouldn't treat your wife like the Parsim do, like the Persians. Shemisham Shemitos Ezmi, the Gaisha Persian. Shemisham Shemitos Ezmi, they get. They uh, they have bia with their clothes on, right? Messiah, a man says, I don't want to get naked with my wife. I want to be clothing, and she has to be clothed. We force him to divorce her and give a ksiba, because that's not normal. The Torah is teaching you the regular derech eretz. Derech eretz is to be uh, that they should be both naked at the time of bia. All right, we'll pick them here tomorrow, Mishim. Have a good day. By the way, the, the whole idea, the interesting that they said, the whole idea of, of um, of that, he, that he's entitled to a paycheck, can he force her to work? Right, we say over here that the father is entitled, we said husband's entitled to the paycheck and the father's entitled to the paycheck, right? We said, how do we know that? Right? right? Just like a, a maidservant, uh, is, is, is the, the check, the, her paycheck goes to her father, goes to her master, the same thing over here. So can the a master can force his his his, his uh, servant? Can a can a father force his daughter to work? So the Muslim Farshim says apparently that he could. And also Rav Kanievsky says, look where you learn it from. You learn it from Chaim Yishis Isbitalama. Just like a master can force his servant to work, a father can force his daughter to go to work, and he gets the paycheck. Okay.